The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Uh, I've been asked to lead us in a devotion this morning, and uh, as we come to just contemplate the word for a moment, let's ask the Lord to give us understanding and insight. Our God in heaven, we do bless you and give you all praise and adoration for you are worthy of these things. You have created all things. You sustain all things. And though we have wandered far from you in our sin, you and your grace sent forth your Son to purchase our redemption by his own blood on the cross, and you raised him on the third day and seated him in glory where he now sits and bids us to come and taste and see that he is good to establish our fellowship with you again, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would give each of us in this place a great desire for the truth the truth of you, our triune God, the truth of your gospel, the truth of the world that you made and with which you filled uh, so many good things to enjoy. Lord, as we undertake our academic work, give us a love for the truth wherever it may confront us and to hold fast to it. As we look into your word in these brief moments, give us understanding by your spirit, we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Perhaps it goes without saying that those who are enrolled in an academic institution are interested in the truth. You're enrolled in classes because you believe that there's something about God and about God's world that is true and real and that currently you don't know. And so you've hired us here at the university uh, to help you get hold of it because you believe that the truth is worth having. You go to class with the unspoken expectation that the teacher is there to guide you into truth, to help you see it, to help you lay hold of it, to help you protect protect it once you have it. Of course, you probably make the same assumption about your fellow students that they too are there seeking truth because truth is good. If you've... uh, discover that you were intentionally deceived by your professor or by other classmates in conversation about the things that you're studying, you would be rightly morally outraged. Because it's, it's not just that the truth is intellectually good, but it's also morally good. It's something to which we are obligated, not simply as a matter of intelligence, but as a matter of right living and of ordering ourselves before the Lord. Truth is our obligation. Truth is also our responsibility. We are commissioned to go out and get it because it's good to get. And once we possess it, we are called to hold tight to it. I want to take as a point of departure for a few thoughts this morning. Proverbs 23, verse 23, the writer says this, Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. It's an exhortation. It's a command. And I want to just follow this out through just a few brief uh, considerations. The first is truth's cost. Truth's cost. You are told to buy the truth. Now, some will insist that the biblical writer has in mind 
only spiritual truths pertaining to salvation. And no doubt that is foremost in his mind. Uh, The truth about God, the truth about man, the truth about sin, the truth about salvation, the truth about reconciliation with God. Um, These things are to be sought out at all costs. And no doubt these are preeminent among the truths that we are to buy. But we cannot divorce our interest in spiritual truths and reality from our interest in all of the reality that God has created, so that I think in a, in a sort of broader sense, we should be interested in the truth wherever it is, wherever it may confront us, whether that is in uh, the arts and the sciences, whether that is in morality or in religion. In so much as something is true, we ought to seek it simply for that reason. The truth is good simply as truth. This is not to equate all truths and say that all truths ought equally be desired. Uh, There are some truths that in terms of their importance and priority should rank above others. Unquestionably, the truth of the gospel uh, is of far more importance and benefit to you than the truth about, you know, the migration patterns of African elephants or something like that. Uh, But nevertheless, Even those African elephants are part of God's handiwork, part of the the wonder with which he's filled our world, part of the ways in which, as we rightly understand that world, we marvel at God and his handiwork and his glory, so that while there are truths more important than others, whenever we are in the situation in which we're confronted with truth, it is to the truth that we are obligated, that we come without prejudice, simply desiring to close our minds on that which is, in fact, real and, in fact, true. This is not a call for every individual to seek every single truth. Maybe don't even need to point that out, that that's impossible. Um, Even a Renaissance man, uh, so to speak, has his limits. But you are obligated to the truth in so much as it is set before you, in so much as it is given to you in your place in life, your time, your circumstances. In so much as you are in the place to direct your mind toward this or that aspect of reality, you should seek the truth about it, inquiring, again, without prejudice into the evidence and the reason and the reality of what is presented to you. If this is true in regards to spiritual matters, this is true also in regard to created and mundane and ordinary matters, that we are to be people who are committed to the truth of things. Now, with that said, we're told to buy it. Verse 23, buy truth. It's a command. Now, this is not a biblical basis for paying tuition to a school. Buy truth. So head over to the registrar's office and you know, write out your check. Though, uh, all kidding aside, that may be one means by which you undertake to get hold of the truth. You've, in fact, done that. You're here. You, you're, you paid a price, monetarily at least, uh, to have someone help you Get hold of the truth. But the point is not merely about the monetary cost. There may be some monetary costs. One one writer um, observed that that, uh, men seek the truth so that they may gain wealth when what we should do is spend wealth to gain truth. Okay? Again, that's not an argument for high tuition costs or anything like that. Um, in fact, the, the point of the proverb is not merely that you should be willing to pull out your wallet and pay to get to the truth or get help getting to the truth, but that getting to the truth is going to cost you something, that the truth is to be obtained at all costs and even with great difficulty, that there is some level, in fact, even, perhaps even a great level, of sacrifice 
involved in getting hold of the truth. It's speaking about the difficulty that you should be willing to undergo to lay hold of that which is true. Now, some truths come into our possession rather easily. These are the truths that are sort of the basic stuff of sense data. You know, this coffee is hot. This lemon is sour. Uh, this chapel is boring. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you, you know, you know what I'm saying? The stuff you don't have to really think through. It just kind of impresses you a certain way. And there are, that may or may not be the case, but there are certain truths that are not very difficult to access. They're just the truths of sense experience. But then there are the things that lie beyond the senses that make those sensible things true and make the things what they are. These are the truths that are arrived at with great effort. This is where you're going to have to sort of, you know, dig in your shovel and, and, and put out some effort to go and get hold of that thing. They lie beyond the report given by your senses. They're arrived at by searching, by contemplation, by comparison, by examination, by reasoning, by questioning and interrogating. This is harder. This is more difficult. This is going to cost you something. This is going to require that you go out and buy it, that you put out some expenditure to get hold of the truth because the truth is good. The purchase price isn't set. We're not told exactly, you know, there's no price fixing here so far as I know. You know, you shall not pay less than so much for truth and you shall not pay more than, you know. The idea is... Um, be ready to pay for it. Be ready to lay out what it costs you to get hold of the truth. And, be will and the, the idea is to be willing to do so sacrificially, that the truth is worth great effort. The truth is worth great investment. The price is high. The man who finds the greatest truth of all, the, the pearl of great price, the truth of God as it is in Christ and through the gospel, what does he do to acquire it? He finds it. He's digging around in the field, and he comes across this pearl of great price. At what cost, at what sacrifice uh, will he go to obtain that? You know the answer. He sells all that he has. He liquidates everything. He disentangles himself from everything else so that he can get invested in that thing of great worth. Getting hold of the truth is going to cost you. The truth is one of those strange things. It's free, come buy without money, we are told. And then elsewhere we're told to buy the truth. Okay? Obviously these are imageries, these are, these are metaphors. Uh, it's free in the sense that it's there waiting for you. It's what populates the world of creation. It's what fills Holy Scripture. It's simply sitting there. Go get it. Okay? But don't think that you're going to get it without work. Don't think that you're going to get hold of it without some expenditure. Now, I've said it's not monetary. That's, an, that's a metaphor. Buy the truth. So what's the truth going to cost you? It may cost you money, um, but it might cost you something maybe more precious than money. A couple things, uh, practical things. Uh, it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you time. I'm going to say this, and some of you know this, and some of you are starting, will become aware of this later, and some of you won't realize this for 20 years, but you have lots of time right now. I know you think you don't. I know you think your world just got really busy because you're like in the middle of syllabus shock week and all of that, and you're trying to figure out where you're going to get the time. Believe me, maybe you're just going to have to take my word for it. You have time now. 
That's what this university desires to do. We desire to create um, an atmosphere and a place where, you know, ideally you live not too far away. For some of you, that's not possible. For most of you, you don't have a very big commute, really. I mean, from your dorm room to your classroom. And we've, we've designed it to where you have time to sort of come away from the world, to live in a place where we think together and we seek truth together. But it's going to cost you time, which is to say time is a finite resource. And to give the truth the time it requires is going to, is going to demand that you forsake giving that time to other things. Okay. Budget your time well. Give yourself space to go after this important thing that is truth. It's also going to require and demand of you the price of focus and attention. This is going to be difficult for some of you because that's just not what you have a lot of. Um, And the reality is the world isn't demanding that you focus on too much for too long or too deeply. But deep and important truths... Uh, are going to require exactly that of you. It's going to be the cost of time. It's going to be the cost of mental exertion. Martin Luther talking about the effort of, uh, of the pastor preparing a sermon and, and dealing with the things of God, once called the work of the minister, church sweat. <laughs> yeah, you think of the pastor nowadays in his air-conditioned office with his library and his feet up on his desk, and he's reading books and doing the thing that he loves, but, but Luther actually characterized the work of the man who was seeking truth, seeking to lay hold of it as sweaty. <laughs> I know, that's kind of a gross way to think about intellectual effort, but if I could just you know, draw on that, it's going to require intellectual sweat, exertion, devotion. You're going to have to grow into that and to discipline yourself for that. It may cost you some sleep, uh, don't go crazy with this. Some of you deprive yourself of great sleep for far lesser things than the truth. I know, because, you know, you know, a fun game night that just keeps going is, you know, it's a blast and create a lot of good memories and you show up blurry-eyed to your class at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock. I know, like that, that happens. Um, if I can say this, and I'll, I'll leave that to your own judgment and deciding how much of that you can handle, but why not do that for the truth? You know what I'm getting at? Why not, why not knock yourself out for something enduring and lasting and valuable as the truth, the truth of God's creation, the truth of God's self. Finally, and this is more on the negative side, perhaps it's going to cost you the attention you give to other distractions. Let me just get right to it. Specifically, devices. That is to say, gadgets you hold in your hand that absolutely fixate you and demand your attention. Um, A few recommendations. The Proverbs are practical, so I'll be practical. Um, You're going to have to learn to sort of wean yourself off of the addiction to that phone and to those screens. Doesn't stunt not to rubbish it. Use them. Make them your servants. Make them your tools. Make them serve you rather than the other way around. Because what they'll do if you let them, because the people marketing that stuff to you don't care actually about this, what they'll do if you let them is they will, they will steal away the resource of time and attention that you need to spend on truth, buy truth. Okay? We all have to budget when we buy things. If I'm going to buy, you know, my wife told me when we got married, um, I, was a, I was a book bookaholic, and she just told me, you know, as long as our children don't starve. And um, I, I will admit, I, book purchases took us down to $10 in the bank a couple times before we had children. 
Uh, we lived. We got through it. We never went, we never went to the red. <laughs> but uh, when I had children, um, I started buying less books, and I started traveling less because I had some other deeper obligation. The truth is a deep obligation. You're going to have to budget your resources of time, attention, sleep uh, to devote yourself to it. Buy it. Get hold of it. In fact, for some of you, the monetary cost is looking a lot more attractive. If you could just buy it with money and not have to buy it with these other expenditures, you might prefer that. It's worth it. It's worth it. One commentator writing on this says, The truth is an eminently desirable possession. Truth is capable of becoming more intimately and inseparably the possession of a man than any of those things which men usually call their possessions. This is the thing with truth, if I can talk it up for a second. It's hard to take away from you once you've got it. It doesn't wear out. It doesn't get old. Um, it can't be easily stolen or plucked away from you. If you want to get hold of something, a possession that's going to last, that's going to serve you well through the years, um, it's not going to be iPhone 11 point, you know, whatever's coming down the line. It's not going to be that. And that may help you for a moment. But truth. They can take a lot from you. They can burn down your house, and they can empty your bank account, and they can put you in prison. But if you have the truth, that they cannot steal, that they cannot take away. He says, the truth bought secures to man the great end of all possessions, blessedness. The truth restores conscience to an active and undisputed sovereignty. The, the, the truth tells you what you ought to direct yourself toward. It harmonizes the will and the reason. It makes, you know, it makes you to know what you ought to seek. That's what he means. It makes you know what you ought to seek and to what you ought to be devoted. It casts out all foreign elements which have disturbed the movements of the inner life. Secondly, then, first buy the truth. Then he says this, and do not sell it. I think the, old, uh, the way it always is in my mind, the old King James. And sell it not. Okay? And this is the, this is the thing. Truth is the one possession um, that is exposed to much less risk than other possessions. I mean, you're here, a lot of you are here because you want to get a good job and you want to get a good job so that you can pay for certain possessions that are necessary for this life. Um, and I think that's a noble uh, and responsible thing. But nevertheless, getting hold of the truth is to get hold of something that is, that is much more risk averse and safe and lasting than even the, the money that knowing the truth can help you earn. Okay? Truth, is, truth is a very durable good. Truth is a good that sticks around for a long time and serves you uh, more and exponentially the longer you possess it and enjoy it. Nevertheless, there is one great risk to the truth once you've gotten possession of it, and that risk is you. That risk is you. It's hard, it's hard for outside forces to come and take it away from you once you've got it but you've got to keep it. Buy it, but then don't treat it like a commodity that you can do with or do without. Once you buy it, you've got to keep it, okay? And I think this is where the temptation comes in. When we treat truth in a commodified sort of way in which we treat it as if the truth is, the truth is simply our servant doing our bidding and we can use it in so much as it helps us and we can dispense with it in so much as it seems to get in the way of what we desire. And that's the temptation. That's the oldest temptation, by the way. That is the oldest temptation. That is the original temptation. That is the beginnings of the original sin, which is this. Man and woman had truth, and they traded it away 
for a lie because the lie seemed better to them than holding on to the truth. They treated the truth as if it were something that once it got in the way of some other sinful ambition could simply be, you know, sold off, unloaded from the portfolio because it got in the way. Buy the truth, but do not sell it. Proverbs 4.13 says, take hold of instruction and do not let it go. Do not let it go. Guard her, it says, for she is your life. Guard her. So what does it mean to sell the truth? I mean, isn't that what we're doing? Teachers, preachers, I get paid to show up and teach you and help you in your aspirations for the truth. Um, is that what this is about? Um, the exhortation simply is that we not trade it away in order to gain some personal advantage. Treat it like a commodity that is yours. Truth is a weird possession. You can have it, but you don't own it. Is that, is that the right way to say it? I think that is. You can have it, and you can hold on to it, but you're holding on to what is not your own. You're holding on to what is from God and belongs to God and speaks of him and of his way. It's not yours to treat as if you were its maker and source. You are its steward. Hold on to it. You are not its owner. You are its possessor, but not its owner. Hold on to it. How can you trade it away? How can you be tempted? Look, this world has as many ways to sell off the truth as it does to commit sin. Every sin is a selling off of some truth. Every sin is a dispensing with some truth that would stand between you and that sin. Okay? What are the ways? Uh, I, I, I tried to list a few in my notes. Um, but this is just breaking the, breaking the ice. If the truth gets in the way of the grade you want, a little untruth might help you get the thing you desire. If the truth gets in the way of a relationship that you want because that person doesn't know the Lord, um, maybe you could suppress that for some romantic ambition of yours. If the truth gets in the way of an elected office, then you know, just call it a fetus and not a person. In other words, trade it away for personal advancement, for personal interest. My brother-in-law is a structural engineer, and he has a job in which he has to look at plans and designs, and often he assesses whether a proposed structure is sound or not. And uh, you could imagine a scenario where someone wants to build a certain kind of structure, and they need him uh, to sign off on that structure, and he's going to get paid for signing off on it. But if he knows, because he's, you know, a mathematical genius and understands engineering and physics, if he knows that that structure is unsafe and unsound, he cannot, for the interest of getting that job or that contract, sell out on that truth. This is an illustration in which we might want to compromise or downplay or just simply leave aside the truth in order to advance ourselves. There are many, there is as many ways to sell the truth as there are to commit sin. And the truth puts a limit on us. The truth, in so much as it's true, is what is real. And the truth requires us to live inside of a, a certain set of boundaries. It tells us how things really are, and it demands that we bring ourselves into line with that reality. And, and the, the mark of sin is that sinners suppress the truth of God and of creation in unrighteousness. But, but Jesus saved us to, to reverse that. In my class earlier this morning, we looked at that passage in Colossians 3 where he says, Speak the truth to one another. Do not lie to one another. 
That's what you did in the old man. We're truth tellers, we're truth seekers, and we should be truth preservers. Don't treat it like a commodity that can be unloaded as soon as you feel inconvenienced by it. Finally then, truth's reward, briefly. In one sense, truth is its own reward. And I say this, allow me to sort of go philosophical for a moment, but your mind has as its proper object truth. Knowing is supposed to close in on truth, like like color and light is to the eye, and like sound is to the ear, so truth is to the mind. And just as it is pleasant to hear sounds, not because it's useful, but simply because it's good, and as pleasant as it is to see, not just because it's good for something, but because it's good, simply to know the truth is not good simply because it helps you do something, but simply because knowing the mind, knowing the truth is the mind's good. Nevertheless, a lot of the truth is useful as well and beneficial. The reward of truth is both practical and speculative. It gives you the enjoyment of letting the mind achieve its proper object. It gives you enjoyment of bringing that truth to serve the good of yourself and of others. Ultimately, these truths are sort of you know, ripples coming down from the one who is truth himself. And the truth to which you must most devote yourself above all is the truth of God as it is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get an understanding of this. Don't sell it. Don't barter it away for another, as Proverbs 16.4 says about the wicked. Rather, hold it fast. The truth liberates us to live in step with reality. If you want to live in step with reality, the reality of creation and the reality of the creator then buy the truth and do not sell it. Um, that's a tall order. That's on you, that's on me. My prayer is that God would give us a heart that desires truth and that holds it fast and that holds it fast at all costs because the reward of truth is infinitely greater than the increased and multiplied sorrows of lies. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we bless you and thank you for your kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We thank you that you are renewing us to a true knowledge of yourself and even to a true knowledge of your created order. Lord, give us a heart to know you and to know the truth that you have placed in all things, that we may glorify you in all that we do, whether we eat or drink. I pray for these students. Lord, give them a heart to stop lying and to speak the truth and to seek the truth and to seek it. Uh, at whatever cost is demanded. Help us in this great calling and endeavor, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.